Right. All right. Jesus. Amen. It's good. They come and ask about Jesus. Amen. 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 You know, and, and Paul said for us to always be ready to give an answer to those who would ask about the hope that is in us. Amen. Amen. Oh, we're witnesses, aren't we? We're witnesses for him. That's what, um, that's what he said. Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you so that you can feel good and shake and dance. No, that isn't what he said. That's all good. But he said that um, you shall receive power to be witnesses unto me. And so we need the Holy Ghost power to be a witness for Jesus. Amen. Doesn't mean you have to go around grabbing people by the, by the shirt collar and shaking them and say, turn or burn. You know, but uh, be a witness with your life. And uh, God will open those doors, won't he, Brother Bob, for you to share the gospel with people, sow the seed. You know, Paul said that, Paul said that one planted, he said, I've planted, Apollos has watered, but God gave the increase. So, you know, you, you take an opportunity to sow and to plant a seed. What's the seed? The Word, the seed of the Word. So take an opportunity as God opens the door to just sow a little seed in somebody's heart. And then the Holy Ghost to work it out where somebody else to come along and Put a little water on that seed, amen. And then God's the one that gives the increase. But there's, there's, there's a fact here, and that is this. Nobody's going to be saved unless they're witnessed to by somebody. Somebody has got to tell them about Jesus. And that's what we're here for. Let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And that's not my, that's not my lesson not my, or my message tonight, but that's a, good, that's a good intro to it, all right? Praise God. Well, open your Bibles tonight to the book of Philippians, all right? Book of Philippians chapter 1. And uh, we'll do our best tonight to share what, uh, some thoughts from this chapter. And uh, not, try not to hold you too late. All right? Chapter 1 of Philippians. And um, let's begin reading with verse 21. We've been in this vicinity here for a, a few Wednesday nights. We're really squeezing the juice out of this orange right here, aren't we? Amen? But I tell you what, it's just so much good stuff right here. A lot of good, a lot of good juice to squeeze out of this orange. So uh, we're going to try to squeeze a little more tonight. Talk about something that I think that is... Um, that is that is uh, beneficial to us, and um, and and that all of us need to know a little more about, and that all of us we want to talk about a place where all of us want to go, one of these days, Amen, and where we are going to go, and where we are going to be, and notice what Paul says in verse number twenty-one of that first chapter: For me, for to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. To the natural mind, that doesn't make any sense at all. To the carnal person, that makes no sense at all. To the natural man, that makes no sense at all. But when you know Jesus and the, to the spiritual man, man, that's an awesome verse right there. That's an awesome statement. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh... This will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. 
that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you. And I want to uh, talk to you tonight for a little bit on the thought of getting ready for heaven. Getting ready. How many is ready for heaven? I believe probably this Wednesday night crowd's ready for heaven. Amen. And I tell you what, I don't believe that it's going to be very long until we're going to be there. Amen. But, uh, you know, living the Christian life, and I've said this before, I, 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 I re, want to reiterate it tonight, but this life of living for the Lord Jesus Christ, being a Christian, is the greatest life you can live. I mean, there's nothing compares to living for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's so much better living for Jesus than living for the for the devil. Come on, amen. That devil, he's a that that devil's a hard taskmaster, and and um, the Bible says that the ways of a transgressor's hard. And uh, so it is a wonderful, wonderful life living for Jesus Christ. I've been on both sides of this fence, so have you. And uh, I think we could all testify and attest to that fact tonight that it's better being saved. Amen. But uh, as, as wonderful as it is, we still have our times of trials and tests, don't we? We still go through things. But have you, do you ever once in a while just come to that place as a Christian where you say, man, I'd just like to go be with Jesus. I'd just like to go home, amen, and be with the Lord. I just, I'm just ready, and I preached about that second coming and the rapture last Sunday morning. And uh, just sometimes I, I, just, I just think, Lord, today, man, if this could, I'm ready for that trumpet to sound. I'm ready to go home to be with the Lord. Sometimes we get homesick for heaven. Anybody ever get homesick for heaven? You know, the, the older you get, it seems like the more family that you have on the other side than you do down here. So it even makes you more homesick to be, go and be with the Lord. I've heard people say, uh, I've heard people make this statement before. I've heard preachers make this statement talking about Christians say, well, they're so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. You ever heard, heard them say that? You can be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. But I don't agree with that statement. I don't think that's true. I, I don't think that you can be, you, you can't be too heavenly minded. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that we ought to to be heavenly minded. The Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 3, um, Paul writing there to those believers at Colossae said, set your affection on things above where Christ is at the right hand of God. So Paul is telling that church at Colossae, Hey, you be heavenly minded. And it uh, doesn't mean we're off here in, in, in la-la land somewhere, but we've got our mind on Jesus and our focus on heaven. Our hearts and our affections uh, and our desires are not for this world, ladies and gentlemen, but therefore we got a place, there's another world that we're looking forward to one of these days. Amen. And this Christian life on this earth, living for Jesus is the best life. But, uh, you know, Paul said, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all people most miserable. Amen. Well, thank God we don't just have hope in this life, but we've got hope beyond this life. Glory to God. Ah, man, I tell you what, we're going to have church here in a minute, maybe. Amen. So Paul writing here and uh, to this church at Philippi, he's, as we've already said, Paul's in prison. And he doesn't know exactly what his fate's going to be. He's believing. He's, they're praying for him to be released. He doesn't know exactly whether they're going to execute him or whether he's going to be set free. And Paul is, here's the thing, here's the victory in this. 
Paul is okay with it either way. Amen. <laughs> I mean, he's not fretting or stewing about it. Uh, either way, he's fine with it. And he said, you know, they may execute me. They may kill me. Or they may not. He said, I don't know for sure, but he said, there's one thing that I do know, whether by life or death, and we talked about this last week, whether by life or death, Jesus is going to be glorified in my life and in my body. I'm going to glorify the Lord. And then he goes on and he explains what he means. He said, if I live, and here's what he's, what he's saying, if I live, if God lets me live, I'm going to keep, as long as I live, I'm going to keep on preaching Jesus Christ and I'm going to live in the power and the anointing of the, of the Spirit of God and I'm going to live my life for the glory of God. And so as long as I'm alive, for me to live, he said, is Christ. It's all about Jesus. Amen. Jesus, that's what Paul was saying right here. For me to live is Christ, he's saying Jesus is the center of it all. Isn't that what he's saying? Amen. And he said, so I'm going to go on living for God. If I live, I'm going to go on preaching. Ain't nobody going to stop me. I'm going to go on and live in my life for the Lord and under the power of the Holy Spirit. But he said, on the other hand, if I die, if I'm, if I'm executed, if I'm martyred for the Lord Jesus Christ, if they take me, if Nero has me, uh, has my head taken off of my shoulders, if I die, well, you know what? It's not a loss, but it's a gain. For me to live is Jesus Christ, and if I die, for me to die is gain. Man, that's, that's I, you can't get any more victorious than that right there. Amen? That is total, absolute complete victory that this man is living. And so he says there in verse 23 and 24, look what he says. He, he says, for I am I'm hard pressed. The King James says I'm in a straight betwixt two. That's old Elizabethan English, but he's saying I am hard pressed between the two. Uh, in other words, living or dying. He said, I don't, know what, I don't know what choice I would make. But he says, I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ. Notice this, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. So what Paul is saying there is, if I, I, I know that you need me. He said, for me to depart and be with Christ. For me to die and go to heaven, be with the Lord. For me, that's much better. That's far better. But he said, for you, it's more needful. And he's talking to the church and to these believers. He said, you need me here. You need me as your pastor. And you need me uh, to continue to teach you. And for me to stay here in this flesh and continue on in my ministry would be good for your spiritual growth. Paul can't help him if he's dead. He can't help it. It's better for him. He's going to be with the Lord. But he can't help these people, and he can't help this church. And you know, there's, a, there's something here. There's a thought here, and that is this, that I believe that God will leave us here on this earth as long as he has a work for us to do and as long as we're actively engaged in doing that work. Amen? I want to stay here. Listen, I want to stay here on the earth uh, as long as God has a call on my life. He has a work for me to do. Um, as long as I can be of, a, of a, a blessing and a benefit to this church. As long as I, I'm not going to do, listen, if I'd go to heaven tonight, Oh, it'd be so much better for me, but it's not going to do you any good. Amen? But as long as I'm here fulfilling what God uh, has called me to do, I can be a benefit to the body of Christ and be a benefit for you. And so Paul is saying, I need to be here for you. It's better. I can continue to teach you. But if I had my choice, he said, I'd much rather just cut out of here right now and go on and be with the Lord and go on to heaven because it's so much better for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, how could he say that? As I said, it doesn't make any sense to the 
to the natural mind, to the natural man. But how could Paul say this? How could death be a gain for the believer? We don't think about it like that. We think of it as being a loss. And when a loved one passes away, a family member passes away, um, if they're saved, if they're a Christian, it still it hurts us. It's a loss to us. We don't have them with us. But listen, for that person, for them, it is a gain. Are you, are you hearing me? It's much better. I'm telling you what, heaven is better than earth. Is anybody here? I said heaven is better than this earth. Come on, amen. Hallelujah. Uh, so how could Paul say this? And, and listen, here's, here's, here's why Paul uh, could say for me to die is gain. He says in verse 23, he talks about, here's why death is gained for the believer. Here's why that we should not as believers. Now again, we want to stay here as long as Jesus got us here. We want to do what Jesus got for us to do. I believe the Lord wants us to live a long, uh, long life on the earth. He's promised us that as, and, and to fulfill the call of God in our lives and the purpose of God in our life. But when it comes time for us to go, we don't have to fear that day. Are you hearing me? We don't have to be afraid of that. And here's one of the reasons why Paul said that, I, that it would be far better for me to go and be with the Lord because of the person that death takes us to. Listen to me. The person that death takes us to. Notice what he said. Verse 23, I'm hard pressed between the two, living, staying here or dying, having, notice, a desire to depart and what? Be with Christ, which is far better. Paul's saying that to depart this life for the believer is to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think everybody here tonight would agree that to be with Jesus is much better than being here. Anywhere where Jesus is is better. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. So if you are a child of God, and I'm, I'm taking for granted tonight, everybody here is saved. Everybody here is saved. Know Jesus. Amen. Got your name written in heaven. So if you are a child of God, then death takes you to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. Takes you into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus is what makes heaven heaven. Are you hearing me? Amen. Thank God when we get to heaven, there will be streets of gold and there will be gates of pearl. We can read about it in the book of Revelation. The beauties of heaven and the splendors of heaven. There will be walls of jasper around that heavenly city and, and uh, the tree of life and the river of life and all of the glories and the beauty that is there. But you know what's going to make heaven magnificent is going to be the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is there. The Lamb of God is the light of that city. And that's what I'm looking forward to, ladies and gentlemen, more than anything in the world, is that one day, oh, hallelujah, I'm going to get to be with Jesus and see Jesus. Amen? That is why Paul said that for me to die is gain because I'm going to depart here, but I'm going to be with Christ. That old song says, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrows will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. Hallelujah. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is the glory of heaven. He's the light of heaven. He's the music of heaven. He's the magnetism of heaven. And Jesus himself said in John 14, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That, listen, where I am, there you may be also. See, that's what heaven is. Heaven is where Jesus 
Jesus is. Hallelujah. Heaven is where Jesus And he said, where I am, there you may be also. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? You know, that song, I can only imagine. I can only imagine what it will be like when I'm standing by your side. I, I, I don't know. We can't with our natural mind imagine what it's going to be like to be there in the presence of Jesus Christ. But Peter said this. Peter said this in 1 Peter 1.8. He said, whom, speaking of Jesus, he said, whom having not seen you love. We haven't seen him, but we love him. Though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now, Peter said that we haven't seen him, but just because we believe in him. Even though, oh, you know, when he told, Jesus told, uh, told Thomas, he said, you had to see me to believe, but blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. And so here he is, Peter saying, we believe on him and we love him, but we haven't seen him. And he said, just believing on him, we can rejoice even though we haven't seen him. We can rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Well, I'm telling you what, ladies and gentlemen, if we can rejoice right now, and we ought to be doing that, if we can rejoice right now on this old sin-cursed earth with joy unspeakable and full of glory before we see Him, just imagine what kind of joy we're going to rejoice with when we're standing in His very presence and looking upon the face of the Lord Jesus Christ when our faith has been turned into sight hallelujah all the song says oh I want to see him and look upon his face there to sing forever of his saving grace on those streets of glory let me lift my voice my cares all past I'm home at last and I'm there ever to rejoice that ought to make you excited tonight to know we're going to be with Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. So Paul says, for me to desire, I have a desire to be with Christ. The moment, the moment that a believer draws their last breath on this earth they, and close their eyes in death on this earth, they take their next breath in the Oh, hallelujah. In the presence of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. And they're, they're, they're immediately in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I have a desire to depart and be with the Lord. Amen. But notice that word. We'll squeeze that orange a little more, all right? That word, he said, I have a desire to depart. That word departs an interesting word because the word depart is used in different ways, but uh, and we'll look at some of that. But it actually means a, a loosing or an untying or a leaving, and uh, it was actually used when people were going from one place to another. So we know that heaven is a place. We know earth is a place. And we know that heaven is a place. And so Paul is saying that when we depart here, we arrive somewhere else. If there's going to be a departure, there has to be an arrival. Are you with me? And Paul says to depart and to be with Christ. But that word depart was used various ways in, in Bible times. And, and in the Greek language, it was used different ways. That word depart was a nautical term that was used by sailors. They used that word depart for the, for the departure of a ship and uh, for a ship to, uh, uh, for them to loose a ship from its moorings, to pull up the anchor of that ship and to set sail to another shore. And that's just exactly what we do when death comes to the believer. We just loose the moorings here of this earth. We pull up the anchor here on this earth, and we just set sail for another place. We depart from here to go to another shore. Amen? When a ship sets sail, if you ever have watched a ship sail uh, into the distance, it will dip over the horizon, and the people on this shore will see that ship as far as they can, but then it will dip over the horizon, and the people 
people watching that ship, they'll say, well, there it goes. But the people that are on the other shore see it coming. And they say, here it comes. On one side, they're saying, there it goes, bye-bye. And on the other side, they're saying, here it comes, hello. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, when a child of God, when a child of God dies, on this side, we're seeing them depart and we're saying goodbye. But on the other side, they're being welcomed into the eternal glories of heaven. Hallelujah. We sail from this shore to that shore over the ocean of death and have a departure from earth and an arrival in heaven. You know, we mourn the death of loved ones, but I tell you what, they have sailed to a better place. They're in a better land. Hallelujah. And if they could communicate with us, they would say, don't cry for me. Don't mourn for me. Don't feel sorry for me because I am in a better place. And they wouldn't come back if they had the opportunity. Come on, amen. Are you with me? Hallelujah. So it was a nautical term, but depart was also used by the military. It was a military term in Bible days, and it actually meant to pull up the stakes of a tent to pull up the stakes, stakes of a tent and to break camp. And so when soldiers would break camp, they would be camped, you know, and they would get ready to break camp and move on. They would take down the tent. They would pull up the tent stakes. They would fold up the tent, and then they would move to another location. That's the same word that is used here that uh, was used for that departure is um, the same word that's used here. We're in a battle. We're in, how many know we're soldiers in the Lord's army? Amen. Paul told Timothy, be a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are soldiers for the Lord, and we're in a battle here, and it can be a hard-fought battle at times. But I'm telling you what, when the battle's over, we're going to wear a crown, and the battle is just about over. Amen. It's just about time the Lord's about ready to say, it's time to pull up the tent stakes, it's time to fold up this old tent of flesh and it's time to go move to another location. Come on, amen. Hallelujah. That's why Paul could say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm just pulling up the old tent stakes on this earth, folding up this old tent, this old tabernacle that I live in and moving to another location. Praise God. There were some soldiers on the battlefield I read about that were making, a, uh, making camp and the commander said to them as they were setting up camp, he said, boys, don't put the tent stakes down too deeply because we're going home tomorrow. Listen to me tonight, Abundant Life. Don't put your tent stakes down too deeply and get too attached to this old world because we're just about ready to leave this place. Hallelujah! We're headed to another shore, to another place, to another home, to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. So it was a military term, but that word depart, to depart and be with Christ, that word depart was also a, a term that meant the loosing of a prisoner from a jail. When a prisoner or a slave was set free, that prisoner or slave was told to depart. He was told, you're set free to go home. And you know, when I thought about that, you know, we're all, everybody is in a prison of some kind on this earth. We're chained by sorrow and burdens and troubles and trials, many chained by sickness and fear and, and oppressions of the enemy. But you know what? One of these days, soon and very soon, we're going to leave the prison for a palace. I said, we're going to leave the prison for a palace. Amen? I thought about my mom today, you know, how that she su had suffered with, uh, with cancer, with lung cancer, and we had prayed and we had prayed for her and, and it looked like, you know, that she was going to get better and and but you know, she didn't recover. She went. She wound up going on and being with the Lord. And I thought about that. You know, I thought, well, and the devil said to me, 
He said, well, it looks like you lost that battle. She lost her battle with cancer. And I said, oh, no, no, no. The Spirit of the Lord just hit me that day and said, no, she didn't. She didn't lose the battle. Cancer lost the battle because she has been loosed from that prison and freed from that disease. Do you know for the child of God to go to heaven, I believe in healing and I believe in miracles here and I believe that God does that and we pray for people to be healed and we believe for their healing. But do you know what? If a Christian doesn't receive the physical manifestation of healing in their body here, as soon as they draw that last breath, they are completely healed, totally healed, absolutely healed, never to be touched by any sickness again whatsoever. Hallelujah. It's the loosening of a slave. It's the loosening of a prisoner from their prison. And thank God one day soon, all the chains that try to bind us in this earth are going to fall off and we're going to depart and be with the Lord in heaven. Amen. Amen, amen. Listen, heaven is real. I said, heaven is real. It's not some kind of a fairy tale place. It's not some kind of a figment of our imagination. Heaven is a real place, ladies and gentlemen, that's been prepared by Almighty God. And Jesus, for 2,000 years, has been building me a mansion. And you imagine he's gone to prepare a place for us, heaven is a place where there are real cities and there are real streets and there are real rivers and fountains and trees if you'll read about it in the book of Revelation. It's not just an idea. It's not just a a state of mind. It's not floating around on a cloud strumming on a harp. Heaven is a real place. It's more real than Farmington. It's more real than St. Louis. It's more real than New York City or Los Angeles and a whole lot more better. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to going to heaven. Jesus didn't say I go to prepare a state of mind for you, but he said I'm going to prepare a place, a place for you. I read about Abraham in the book of Hebrews that said Abraham looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Hallelujah. I'm looking for that city tonight. I'm going to that city where the Lamb is the light. I have a desire to depart and to be with Jesus, which is far better. Come on. Amen. Well, praise God. It's a place of, of beauty. It's a place of infinite perfection. We can't imagine. No, no eye has seen. No tongue can, t- can describe the beauties of that place called heaven. Paul got to go on a little trip there. He told about it in 1 Corinthians, was it 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12. And he took a little trip there and said that he was uh, caught up into paradise. And he saw things that he, that he, he couldn't talk about, couldn't repeat. We've got a lot of people that's went to heaven, uh, say they've went to heaven, wrote books and made a lot of money on writing books about what they saw in heaven. But it was, it's always just, are you saying that what they saw and what they wrote about wasn't true? I'm not saying that, but it's amazing to me. Paul went there and God told him not to talk about it. I'll just put that out there and let you do with it what you want to. But he said it was a paradise. It was a beautiful place. He said, I has not seen, ears not heard. Neither has it entered the heart of man. The place are the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Amen. It's a place of perfection, a place of beauty. Heaven's a place where there will be no more sorrow. There will be no sighing. There will be no crying or dying or pain. John describes it this way in Revelation 21 and 4. And he says, And God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. That's the only way. That's the best way that, that I know to really describe heaven is, is, you know, we can talk about the things that are there, but we've never really saw it. It's hard to describe what we have 
haven't saw. But here John describes it by talking about the things that are not going to be there. The no mores of heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. There will be no more crying. There will be no more tears. There will be no more death. No more funeral homes. No more cemeteries. No more uh, you know no more graves. Hallelujah to be dug. No sorrow. There will be no crying and no more pain. Hallelujah. These old bodies man I tell you the older they get. Brother Joe and I were just talking about that tonight. You know, the older we get, when I was, you know, when I was younger, when you and I were younger, we could just do a lot of things and didn't feel any pains and didn't get any sore muscles. And now we've got, you know, the older you get, you get up in the morning and you're creaking along and you got those aches and pains because the outward man is perishing. But thank God, hallelujah, we're going to a place one of these days where there won't be any more pain, no more fever. No more heart attacks, no more strokes, no more high blood pressure, and praise God, no more COVID-19. It can't enter in to the to the to the, the the throne room of God or to the gates of heaven. Amen. I'm looking forward to that place called heaven. It's a place. That's why Paul said, I I, I desire to depart. I it's far better for me to go and be with Christ because I'm departing and going to a place. But thirdly also, there's the provision that awaits us. Paul said in verse 22 there, he said, if I live on in the flesh, if I, if I stay here with you, continue to, to teach and preach and minister and win people to the Lord and plant churches, if I live on here on this earth, and do the will of God, he said, this will mean fruit from my labor. Notice that fruit from my labor. I talked to you all ago and took the offering about when you're giving, you're laying up treasure in heaven. Your labor. I talked to you Sunday morning about we're to watch, we're to be watchful for the coming of the Lord, and we're to work while we're waiting for the coming of the Lord. Why is that? Because there will be a reward. There will be fruit for our labor, for everything we do in this earth, in this life, everything we do for Jesus Christ. There is a book of remembrance in heaven. Uh, Malachi talks about it. Malachi chapter 3, there's a book of remembrance. And the Lord records those things in that book of remembrance. And you are going to be, I am going to be rewarded in heaven for what we have done on earth for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the kingdom of God. Are you are y'all here tonight? Amen. There will be fruit for our labor. And uh, whatever God has given you to do, it doesn't matter if you're a one-talent Christian or a ten-talent. You're not going to be rewarded by your ability. You're going to be rewarded because of how faithful you were to what God gave you to do. Amen? And uh, Paul said there's going to be fruit for my labor. See, death is gained because when we stand before the Lord... When we get to heaven, there's going to be some rewards that are going to be given to us. The rewards for our labor. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 12, Great shall be your reward in heaven. When he was talking about being persecuted for righteousness, he said, Great is your reward in heaven. Revelation 22, 12, Jesus said, Behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his works. Jesus also said, Matthew 10, 42, that if we would even give a, as, as much as a cup of cold water in the, uh, uh, to someone and to help someone, that, that we would not lose our reward. You know what he was saying? He takes account of every little thing we do for him and for the kingdom of God, and we will be rewarded for those things. Amen? 
We're not working to get to heaven. Are you with me? We're not working to get... Works never bring you to heaven. Only the blood of Jesus and faith in Jesus and His grace saves us. That's what's going to get us to heaven. But there will be rewards when we get there for the work that we have done. This worship team that, you know, they, 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 they play music. They lead us into the presence of God. They sing. They do what they do. And they're faithful to do that. God's keeping a record, ladies and gentlemen. And when we do what we do for Jesus with the right motive, because we love Him and not to be seen of men, when we do it right, Jesus keeping a record and there'll be fruit for our labor and there'll be a reward. Amen. Those that, you know, that clean and those that clean the church and do maintenance work and keep the yard mowed and uh, keep everything, you know, the, do the painting and all those things. Those are works done for the kingdom of God, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Not to be seen of anybody. It's the ministry of helps. Amen. I, it's not just the preacher up here uh, that's, that's, that's going to get a reward. Everybody, everybody that's doing what God has given them to do is going to reap fruit for that labor. Hallelujah. When we stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ, not to judge us whether we're saved or not, not to judge us whether we get to heaven or not, when you're at the judgment seat of Christ... That's a judgment for believers to judge you, to judge me concerning what we've done for him and what motive we've done it in. And that is when we will either suffer loss of reward or get reward. I'm planning on getting a reward. Amen. Revelation 14, 13 says, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. See, works never bring us to heaven, but works do follow us to heaven. I'm going to wear a crown one of these days. Do you know there's several different crowns? Do you know that believers are going to be crowned as well? Receive crowns? The Bible speaks of receiving the crown of life. The Bible speaks of receiving a crown of glory, a crown of righteousness, an incorruptible crown. These are crowns that are going to be for the saints of God who are faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ when we stand before that judgment seat of Christ. Well, what are we going to do with those crowns when we get them? We're just going to prance around heaven saying... Look at my crown, ha, 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 no. I mean, how can we, <laughs> amen, do you follow in me? How, 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 how could we wear a crown in the presence of the one that was crowned with thorns for us and gave his all for us, amen? We're gonna, you, know, you know what we're going to do? We're going to receive those crowns and those rewards, but do you know then what the Bible says that we're going to do with those crowns? We're going to be standing before the throne of God and we will cast those crowns at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 4 says, that those four and twenty elders were seated around the throne of God representing the, the enraptured saints of God, the saints of God in heaven and they had crowns of gold on their heads but it said those elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him this is the scene in heaven amen, they worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying you are worthy O Lord to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and are created hallelujah we'll stand before Jesus and say you Lord are worthy to receive the crown and the praise and the worship and the glory we're going to be with him that's why we can say for me to live is Christ but when death comes it's far better it's gain hallelujah there's a reward that's waiting the child of God Woo! That order encourages to stay in the race, to keep on running, to keep on living for Jesus and not turn around or back down or give up or throw in the towel. Hallelujah! There's a great day of reward that's coming soon. Very soon we're going to see the King. Amen? Hallelujah. i got to close.
when we get to heaven, we're going to be united with some people in heaven. Oh, hallelujah. And that's one of the reasons that heaven is gained is because of the glorious fellowship that we're going to have there. Jesus said this in Matthew 8 and 11. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west. Notice. And sit down with who? With Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of God. That's some pretty good company right there. Amen? That's some pretty good company right there. Jesus said that we're going to not just see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and those patriarchs and those prophets that we've read about in the Bible, but he said we're going to sit down with these saints. What is that? That's, that's telling us that we're going to have a time of fellowship with them. Praise God. That means that I'll be able, oh, hallelujah, see, time will not be an issue at that, at that point. Amen. We've got, we've got eternity. Amen. I can just sit down with Moses for a couple of thousand years and say, won't you tell me? I just want you to give me in detail just how was it when you guys crossed that Red Sea? When God parted that Red Sea, I want to know all about I want to hear all about that. And I just sat down and fellowship with Moses and hear how God did that. And, and sit down with David and say, David, I read all your Psalms that you wrote, but would you just take your harp now and play some of them and sing them to me? I want to hear them coming from your very own voice. Hallelujah. Those Psalms that you pen. And David, while you're at it, would you just tell me exactly Give me the details on how it was in the valley of Elah that day when you faced that giant Goliath with that sling and that stone and you brought down the giant. Tell me, give me the details and I'll just hear David from his own mouth. I'll sit down, glory to God, with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and, 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 and all of those saints and patriarchs, Isaiah and Jeremiah and the apostle Paul and Peter and James and John and I'll just just get Peter, James, and John, and Paul, and them guys around and say, let's just have a little Bible study, a Bible conference right here. Explain the things of God to me that you wrote about in your word. I'll talk to Daniel about how it was in the lion's den. I'll get Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over there and find out what it was like when old Neb threw them in that fiery furnace. Is anybody here tonight? I'm telling you, it's going to be a fellowship with the saints of God that have gone on before us. Woo! Hallelujah. And not only that, but we'll be reunited with our loved ones, our family members that have already made it to the other side. That's that great cloud of witnesses Paul's talking about in Hebrews chapter 11, chapter 12. When he's talked about we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And then he said, therefore, let us run the race with patience that's set before us. Oh, hallelujah. He said that cloud of witnesses is cheer. It's like a stadium with that cloud of witnesses there that's gone on before. And we're in that stadium fighting as gladiators running that race. And they're cheering us on. And they're encouraging us. Saying, don't give up. Don't quit. Hallelujah. You can't wait till you get here. Come on, amen. Oh, we're going to be united with those loved ones, family members, moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas. Hallelujah. Children that's went on. We've got some kids over there already that's waiting on us. Praise God. Some of y'all do too. Amen. Family members that are there waiting on us. Hallelujah. I was watching a, 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 some a video clips that my cousin sent me the other day. Uh, from a video of some services in our church down at Cape, the church we were saved in, the church that I learned, I, I learned the Bible in, the church that I began to preach in, and this was back in the eight, this was back in the mid '80s that this video was taken. But I was looking at that service, and there was my grandma in that service worshiping God, and there was there was others that I knew that I that that were there when I got saved that helped me along the way, brother Bob, that 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 prayed for me and helped me, and I and I was 
watching that video and all the different faces and I thought all of a sudden I thought the majority of those people are in heaven today they're not they're not they're already gone they've already passed over to that reward my uncle who was the pastor of that church you know he was he was preaching there and and he's in heaven today and I'm thinking praise God praise God it ain't gonna be long there's gonna be a reuniting of the saints hallelujah what a family reunion that's gonna be hallelujah that'll be a family reunion that'll be a thanksgiving dinner and a family reunion and ain't no politician can say you can only have so many because we're gonna have a time when we get over yonder can you say man somebody we're going to be perfected praise God going to be perfected people say well do you think do you think we'll know one another? <laughs> what kind of place would heaven be if you didn't know anybody? If I saw you at Lowe's, would I know you? Huh? Well, if I see you at heaven, I'll know you. Paul said that we will know even as we are known. Hallelujah. The only thing is... <laughs> Oh, glory to God. We won't have all these imperfections. We'll be perfected. Every wrinkle, every blemish, every fault that's been placed on us by sin and by the curse is going to be removed. And uh, we're going to have in the place of all of these blemishes and bulges and bunions and bifocals and baldness we're not going to have none of that but we're <laughs> but we're going to be it's going to all be replaced with the likeness of Jesus and perfection of Jesus and be like him uh, John said we don't know when he'll appear we don't know exactly what we will be like but we do know we will be like him because we'll see him as he is it'll be our eternal youth will be restored never go oh it's the land where we never grow old hallelujah no more hair falling out no more beard getting gray come on somebody no more glasses to have to wear everything will be perfect hallelujah when we all get to heaven what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus we'll sing and shout the victory somebody stand with me and let's get Give the Lord praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. I love that old song. The, you know, it's a stand. Here, I'm, I'm hitting on a lot of songs tonight. But you know what? Every time you talk about heaven, you, yeah, you can't help it. There's, there's so many songs. The Hensons, years ago, the, the Hensons sang that song. You know that song, Sing Me a Song about heaven and there's so many of them about heaven but the old standard the old standard amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost now I'm found was blind but now I see but what's one of those verses say when we've been there <laughs> oh when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Hallelujah. Oh, heaven's real, saints. And that is why Paul could say, I don't know if I'm staying for a while. I don't know if I'm going to die. But he said, if I stay, I'm living for Christ. And if I die all the better it'll be gain because I'm going to be with Jesus.